Hello, and welcome to the WISE podcast series. I'm Sonia Stroda, a WISE board member. Our mission at WISE is financial education and empowerment for females of all ages and socioeconomic backgrounds. We believe if you manage your money well, that you'll have more opportunities and options in life. Each year, we reach thousands with our empowerment message. Our podcasts are part of our signature series, Tearing Down the Pink Wall, gathering the best and brightest in financial services to both educate and inspire all of us to reach our full potential. Please know, as with all our programs, the information presented today is for education only. Please consult with your trusted advisors before investing or taking any actions. For today's podcast, we welcome Zandra Laskowski. Zandra is an angel investor and startup advisor with over 25 years of entrepreneurial experience with large multinational tech companies, as well as startups as founder, investor, advisor, and board member. She founded OC Angel Investors in 2017, a woman-focused angel investment group based at the UCI Cove at the University of California, Irvine. Zandra has been included in the Orange County Business Journal OC500 Directory of Influence for Innovation and was awarded the Connected Woman of Influence Game Changer Award for her work with OC Angel Investors. Welcome, Zandra. Happy to be here. <laughs> We're pleased to have you. So angel investing and venture capital sounds so exotic. Maybe it would be good to start with the basics. Can you explain what angel investing and what venture capital are? Of course. We've all seen Shark Tank, and I think a lot of people are familiar with that. So they're considered angel investors. And what an angel investor is, it's an individual that invests in a startup at a very early stage of the company, whether it's from an ideation stage, which we call pre-seed startup investment, to later stage startup, which is a startup that's in revenue. We call that a seed um, stage investment. And we write smaller checks. We write $25,000, $50,000 on average per investor into the company. Venture capital is different. Venture capital is typically a fund. It's always a fund. And the fund size can be anywhere from $10 million to over a billion dollars. And these funds uh, require, they get investment, which we'll, I'll talk about a little bit later. They get investment from limited partners. Venture capital funds are now investing at the angel angel investor stage, which is seed stage and pre-seed stage. The difference is we're writing a smaller check. Typically, the venture capital fund will write a check anywhere from you know $500,000 to a million dollars, and they'll want a board seat with that company. Right. Um, so you've explained what they are and a little bit of the differences, but maybe let's talk about why do people invest in this space? <laughs> you know, that's the risk is so high. That's one thing I need to, to, to really express is when you invest in a company that's so early stage, really in the, on their journey, they're trying to find product market fit. They're trying to make sure that they have customers coming back. There's a lot of risk. In fact, um, 20, 20% of startups fail in their first year. And that goes to, you know, up to 50% in, in the first five years and 65%, you know, after seven, eight, nine, nine years. So the risk is really high. Why do we do it? Well, there's many companies out there that are now, you know, household names from Facebook to Google to Uber to Stitch Fix. 
um, you know, chat GPT, <laughs> open AI, which owns chat GPT. These are all companies that started as startups with ideas. And so NGL investors and venture capital, they want to invest in the, the, big, the best and the brightest. And of course, with that, there comes risk. But with the risk, there comes reward. So for example, angel investing, and they call it seed investing. You're going to write smaller checks to maybe, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 companies, $25,000 check, $5,000 check. And you're going to seed that. Not all of them are going to make it based on those odds. One or two, you just need them to go and they're going to pay for your losses. That's not the only reason we do it. Of course, we want to make money, but we also want to invest in an innovation and a solution that we're passionate about. And we want to back that founder and that team. We believe in the jockey or, or investing in the, in the team. That's, that, that is, those are the people that are going to get it to the next level. And so it's just exciting to be on that ride. These companies that do very well, they're, they're creating jobs, they're creating opportunity, they're creating wealth within their communities. Angel investors and venture capital want to be a part of that narration. You're really getting on in on the ground level for uh, companies that can change the world, and it's exciting, and it's um, something that you may be really passionate and about. Um, I'm I'm wondering if you're an investor, do you receive equity in these companies as well? So typically, when we're investing at the seed stage, the angel uh, angel investing stage, we'll invest what's either called a convertible note. Or a safe note, which basically is an, a, it's a it's a it's debt it's it's a loan to the company, and that is not what's considered a price round when you see a price per share. That will convert into equity at the next price round, which is called a Series A. So we event we we invest at that stage in preparation to to own equity and shares in the company once it is it, it converts into a price round, which is the Series A. Okay. So not necessarily the equity that we would go and buy at Schwab or what have you, but um, no, it, it's it not could... publicly market traded uh, startup investments that will happen if they're acquired by a public market, public company, or if they IPO themselves. Okay. All right. So a completely different type of investment. So give me an idea. What types of returns might be expected? Of course, not promised. And then what is the, the timeline for an investment like this? Well, you shouldn't expect any returns. <laughs> when you make an investment like this, like I said, the numbers are, are against you. The risk is very high. On average, you know, it's it, and depending on who you speak to, what venture capital group, you know, discloses their returns and they're all private, so they don't really disclose them. Or angel group you speak to, the returns can be anywhere from 1x, if I get my money back, I'm happy, to 100x. It's all over the board. So there really is no average, but, you know, it just ask, ask the investor. If LPs and sovereign wealth funds and um, endowments are investing in large venture capital funds, those funds have a track record. They can return 18x, 10x, you know, 20x down the road because they 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 really want to make sure that they're making those returns for their investors. But if you're talking okay. to an angel investor, you know, they could be happy with a 3x, they could be happy with a 10x. But you don't have the choice. You're not in the driver's seat. Uh, Jason Calacanis, he's a, he's a famous uh, venture capitalist, and one of his first investments, he put like I think twenty five thousand dollars into Uber. When it was a five million dollar valuation, well, he hung on to that ride till they went IPO. They were seventy billion. So you go do the math on what that could be worth. So really, it's all over the board. 
on the return. The timing on average is seven to 10 years before you see an exit, if you're lucky to see an exit. Wow. Okay. All right. So a very, very different type of investment than maybe a, a lot of the people listening to this podcast may have been involved with in the past. So we talked about the risks a, a, a little bit. I mean, obviously the risk of losing money. Are there any other risks involved? Oh, risk of fraud. And we've seen them, you know, Theranos and FTX. There's so many, you know, we work, there's so many like on fire, very, very buzzy, buzzworthy startups that were complete fraud, you know, and, and, and the founders are in prison. So that is rampant in startup world. So you really need to know what you're doing when you do due diligence. You really need to get educated and, you know, really, and work with, you know, become, be, you know, become a member in a very reputable angel group or maybe become a limited partner in a venture fund to really understand maybe a smaller size venture fund to really understand what the process is. Like, are they doing background checks? Are there audited financials? Typically, there's not a lot of that when it's in the early stage, but you need to, you know, really dig through the financials. The risk is there. So, you know, the best thing is to, you know, join an angel group or become an LP in a venture capital fund to really get the education to hopefully weed out some of that fraud. Okay. Very, very good information. Now we've had a conversation about um, investors and you were talking about anything from 25,000 to, you know, multiple millions. So obviously, you know, big dollar amounts. Um, If you're someone listening to this, you're an individual investor. How do you invest in this space and what type of minimums could you be looking at? So, the deals can come from many places. You can go onto crowdfunding platforms and find like Start Engine's one of them. And as an individual investor, you can find a lot of deals that you can invest in. They're um, typically smaller amounts that you can invest in in the beginning. But I wouldn't recommend that because you really want to n- learn the process. So I would join an angel investment group. I would join, um, you know, there's there's a lot of them out there. There's the Angel Capital Association. Most angel investors were a member of that association, and they are. It's a list. It's a group of, of angel investors. Their members are angel investment groups from Canada to you know the, the United States. Great place to find angel investment groups within your area, and then from those groups, you're going to have mentorship. You're going to have deal flow, which, where the companies are coming in and pitching to these groups. That's a great way to start really learning about the process and the pace. Uh, what it looks like to a company pitch to you in a 50-minute pitch. Um, are we going to do due diligence on it? Typically, they do group due diligence, which their members are, are allowed to come in and really understand the process. And then either if they have a fund attached or a special purpose vehicle, um, which is basically an LLC that the, that the group would put together, so the, the angels can get into that instead of investing directly on the cap table. These are, the, I think, the best ways to really start out because you're, it's group think. You're learning from other seasoned angel investors on what they've invested in, how they invest, how they do diligence. So you either write a check directly to the company and um, they're going to give you what's called a subscription agreement. And it talks about all of the details, it's the convertible note, the safe note and all the terms. Some terms you can you can negotiate. Convertible notes have a little bit more flexibility on them. Safe notes, which were created by Y Combinator, not so much flexibility, but it's really a boilerplate. Um both are, are, you know, some, there's, there's, there's difference of opinion. Like some angels only want to invest in convertible notes because they want to negotiate some terms. 
Some don't mind the safe note because it's easier and cleaner. It's an early stage. You can you know negotiate down the road. So you invest either directly on the cap table or you can invest through a special purpose vehicle that's put together for the deal. You can invest through a crowd plat, uh, funding platform or you can become a limited partner in a venture capital fund. You don't have any freedom on what you're investing in. They invest for you. Okay, very interesting. So now let's talk about the type of investors. Um, angel investing, venture capital may not be for everyone. Who should and shouldn't consider this type of investing? Well, typically angel investing is open to only accredited, SEC accredited investors. And you can go online and, and, and figure out what that is. But basically an individual, I think, making, making over $200,000 a year or has assets outside of their primary residence over a million dollars. And then I think as couples, it's $400,000. They're making $400,000 a year, or they have assets over a million dollars, not including their primary res residence. That's an accredited investor. There are platforms out there now that allow non-accredited investors to invest, these crowdfunding platforms. Uh, so there's, there's different ways you can do it. But if you're going to be, if you're truly an SEC accredited investor, and you're going, you're thinking about adding angel investing and private into your private equity bucket, make sure it's money that's disposable to you. It's a, it's money that you would spend for, you know, two Emirates first class tickets, you know, $50,000 there. Um, $50,000 you would give to a charity, $50,000 you would use on a piece of jewelry, $50,000 you would use for a vacation because you're going to lose that money. Just go in knowing you're going to lose the money. It has to be disposable income. If you lose the money, your lifestyle doesn't change. You're great. You can do all your retirement stuff. You can put your kids through college. You're not losing anything. It's disposable income. Okay, very helpful. This is a lot of information. It's a very different type of investing um, with its own unique risks that you, you shared with us. And you mentioned a few resources, but my, my final question to you is, can you repeat or provide different resources where someone can turn to seek help in making investments in this area or get educated? On. I always point back to the Angel Capital Association. They're a nature, nationwide group and their members include many of the most successful angel groups in North America. It's, it's the angelcapitalassociation.org. That's a great place to start. OC Angel Investors, our, our mission is to connect, educate, and inspire women about angel investing so you can receive mentorship through us. And, um, you know, there's, there's local groups, uh, there's accelerators within your, 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 or uh, there's within our communities, accelerators are, um, are companies that invest in lots of uh, startups. And they, they also like angel investors to um, invest alongside of them. Expert Dojo is a great one. They're up in, uh, in Los Angeles. I'm based in Southern California, but really I think the best place to start is the Angel Capital Association. You're going to have uh, the education there, you're going to have to have, if you become a member and you can become a member without being a member of an angel group and really take advantage of their programming, OC Angel Investors. If you become a member of our group, you already have access to all of the programming and education that Angel Capital Association offers. Very helpful. Thank you. I'm going to change the conversation a bit and ask you a little bit about your career journey. So at the close of every Pink Wall event, we speak to our guests about their own careers, and we'd like to hear about yours. You have a fascinating career in an area with few women in finance, and we'd love to hear about it. 
Can you give me an idea of what your career journey looked like? Yes. So I think this will be helpful for people. I really didn't have a goal in mind when I started out in, in my, in my career journey, it took me, I tell my daughter this, she's 24 and she's starting nursing school today. Um, you know, it took me seven jobs that I've worked since, you know, the age of 18 to about 22, 23 through, through college to really land upon a potential career, future career. And I started my career at Toshiba America in Southern California. I started in their purchasing department uh, I was able to travel the world for them. I was able to learn so many amazing skills from negotiation to logistics to supply, you know, change management, uh, grew into sales, large major account sales throughout my career, worked at a startup in Silicon Valley, first company that ever made, get this, removable disk drives back in the early 90s. No one wanted those. I thought that was a ridiculous wow. idea. Well, now we all have about 20 or 30 of them in our ho- in our homes. So little did I know that that startup you know, literally, we were, I, I, I was, you know, on the phone every day trying to get money into our bank account so we can make payroll. And we were all, you know, in the back shipping these drives. It was crazy. It was really a truly a startup um, uh, experience, but unfortunately they failed. And then I continued my career into sales, major account sales um, in tech, and ended my career at a company called Ingram Micro, the largest distributor of hardware and software in the world. They're the biggest middleman that no one's heard of managing their largest account, which is $200 million back in the late 90s. And that's basically managing a small company. You had to really look at making sure that the product was getting shipped to their customers in an efficient way because our margins were so thin, always modeling the cost of doing business, understanding logistics, understanding configuration. All of these things really helped me when I started my startup investment journey because understanding the fundamentals of business is so important when you become an angel investor. So I really was fortunate. I had great mentorship all along the way, you know, and and I had great people that I worked with that I learned from, and they really gave me the confidence and they gave me the tools to succeed. I was very fortunate in my career. Uh, So that all of that really just propelled me into managing our own assets. I started our family office in 2008 and then um, started angel investing in 2013. So it's just, it wasn't by design. It was by opportunity, but I've loved everything every minute of it. And I'm still loving angel investing. That, that's so interesting. It seems that so many careers aren't always as defined or a straight line, but it's, it's interesting to hear your background, even in tech and sales wound you up in finance. And obviously we encourage women and girls to get involved in finance, regardless of the way you get there. So um, interesting to see and, and to hear about, I should say your, your journey. So how important was your education in advancing your career? Well, you know, I never was able to finish college. We couldn't afford it. So I hopped right into the, you know, the job world. I was doing that while going to college, but then we just couldn't afford it anymore. So I continued, I started working full time. I always recommend, and I mentor many, many young women who are in college and or are in MBA programs. And I always recommend, please finish that education because it teaches you discipline. It opens your eyes to things that you wouldn't really you know, consider. And you meet so many great people, the mentors and the network, you kind of build your first network through education. And then once you've finished your formal education, whatever that that is, not everyone has the same path. Sometimes it's a few years, sometimes it's a trade school, which is great. Sometimes it's just certificate programs, which are, which are amazing, because it gets you right into a skill that you can monetize very quickly and build within an organization, whatever path you decide, there's no right or wrong. That's the wonderful thing I like about today what we have access to 
is wonderful, a wonderful place to start, but always continue educating yourself. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly going to you know webinars, learning about specific things that are important to my portfolio companies, whether it's creating a culture, you know, that, that, that small businesses can grow into, whether it's, you know, HR principles, whether it's logistics, integrating AI enabled uh, technologies into their platform, whatever that is, I'm constantly teaching myself and learning about these different things so they help my portfolio companies and I want to make sure that they're on the right track. And then of course, I listen to podcasts, I read a lot. So always be educating yourself, um, whether it's things you're interested in, whether it's something that can propel you to the next level within your career. And you know, really try to, you know, mentors are a great source of education, picking their brains. And you know, it, it sounds like really you know big, but you can find mentors in your own neighborhood, in your own family, in your friend group. Uh, that you know, just talk to you know, talk to people, and and try to get into go to some you know community events or go some go to events that are at your university if you're in university or within your community meetups. So these are great places to network. You never know who's in the room. You never know who you're going to meet, and they may have you know connection to something you want to learn about. So you know, always continually you know educate yourself and and can, can keep learning. Such a great answer and such great advice. Uh, I agree with all of it. So importantly, now that we've we've gotten past the initial stages of your career journey and you've become a mom, congratulations on your daughter starting nursing school, but I'm sure that that took some balancing. So how do you balance your family and work life? Well, I'm very, I'm very, I don't work on Fridays. <laughs> and I've had, you know, today I've had the luxury of been able, being able to pick and choose when I want to work because I do run a women angel group and it's not a lot of uh, time constraint on me. And my kids are older, they're in college, you know, they're young adults. So I don't have too much work balance issues with them. It's more my husband and our vacation schedule. We take about three months of vacation a year. We, we're, we're avid skiers and divers and we love the world. So in fact, we're going to be in, in Raja Ampat for a month, starting about a, a month from now, just diving, diving, wow. diving. So I created this group specifically because I was like, how do I do this? How do I start this angel group around my lifestyle? And I have some great board members. My president, Christy Retalk, is incredible. So if perhaps I'm not around for, for a meeting, I have someone to you know help out with that. So I would just say, if you have the luxury, and even when I was in corporate America, um, you know, I've worked out at least two weeks, two days a week. I did spinning and I told my teams and I, you know, my boss was fine with this. He, I said, look, on Fridays, I'm out five, at 5 p.m. because I have to go exercise. So really working for an organization and setting that expectation up front is really important for your wellness. And especially companies are becoming much more friendly to, you know, having paid time off to take care of a loved one, whether it's a child or an aging parent. So really seeking out companies that offer those benefits. It's so important, you know, taking time out for yourself, whether it's just yourself and your friends or you and your husband or you and your kids. Um, it's important to keep that and, and really schedule it in and, and, and really stay committed to it in your everyday, you know, weekly schedule. So for me, I've been very fortunate because I've been able to design this group around my lifestyle. And I've also have backup. That's important to have backup to step in when I can't be available. I'm not always available, but typically I am. <laughs> So really just understanding that and then, you know, taking time off for yourself. Like I take Fridays are, are religious. I don't take meetings. I don't do anything that's business related. It's about seeing my friends, having my ladies lunches, going to, to the spa, working out, meditating, whatever that is. 
Well, good for you. And, and I'm sure a lot of that is because you've been fortunate and savvy enough to put yourself in the position financially to be able to make those choices. And that's what we hope for the women of wise as well, to have more options. And you're a perfect example of that. So thank you. Um, lastly, what career advice, other than the amazing information you've already shared with us, can you give our listeners? Learn a skill. And I know that seems like a lot to take in, but learn a skill that, that you know, maybe it's not the most interesting to you, thing to you, but as you start on your career, especially if you're a younger person, it's really overwhelming. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, what am I going to do? I have some knowledge, but learn a skill, whether that's you know, nursing or logistics or, or being a financial analyst or bookkeeping or uh, scheduling or social media management, learn a skill for a couple years, like become almost like a subject matter expertise person, because you'll find that a lot of companies will need an iteration of that skill. And that's a great way to build your career. I started in purchasing. I didn't even know what purchasing was until I became an assistant in a purchasing department at Toshiba. And then I thought, this is really interesting. Built that skill. Then I, I learned about logistics. Tried that a little bit. Learned about sales. Tried that. So that skill propelled me into other opportunities that allowed me to try other things. But you got to start with something because you got to have something to offer. To offer a company to say, hey, look, you've done this for you know two years. That's really great. You're, you're really good at this. We want to bring you into our company. And maybe we'll give you this plus another opportunity to do something else. So starting with one skill, whatever that is, and it could be anything from cooking. I mean, there's so many things that people go, can go out there and do. Do that one skill well, you know, become pretty good at it, and then see what the other opportunities could be within that sector, wherever, wherever you're working. And then, you know, of course, surround oh, yourself with mentors. I always go back to that, you know, and you can meet mentors and people think mentors are thinking older people that have all this knowledge. Not necessarily. They could be mentors, you know, that small business owners that you've met that just have a different point of view, but that, that give you positivity and they're your coaches. They are behind you 100% that, you know, they want to help you succeed. So mentors not only support you and help you, you know, maybe point you in the right direction on how to learn, but they're great. It's great to have them because it's a different point of view. They, they maybe talk to you about something that you never, ever considered. Um, and also have strong emotional intelligence. What is that? Basically, you know, sitting back and really reading the room, really reading who you're speaking to, um, listening and actively listening. I know in our society right now, it's really tough to do that when someone's having a conversation with you. There's lots of articles on it, but once you've got that job, that's awesome. But then you have to keep the job. You have to move within that organization. Emotional intelligence will really help you. If you have really strong emotional intelligence, help you survive, help you thrive, help you really read situations, be more self-aware of how you are participating in that organization and on that team, they're going to be challenges. There's going to be hiccups. There's, some, there's going, to, going to be mistakes made. That's okay. When you have strong emotional intelligence, that will really help you navigate those challenges and then you know thrive and possibly become a mentor yourself. Um, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I know early on, or even in, in, your, in your seasoned career, you get up to a position, you know, to a level where you're like, man, I, they're expecting me to know everything. No, they're not. You, you, we don't expect you to, to learn to know everything. And that's the whole point. Emotional intelligence comes with, you know what? I made a mistake. If you're a manager. I've done that. I was managing, you know, a team and I, I just, 
I, I, I made a mistake. You know, I, I had them do one thing and I realized, oh man, that is not what the customer wanted. Was, you know, a week two later, I had them going down this path. I had to recorrect and I had to walk in and just be really honest. Look, I made a mistake. And I thought the customer wanted this. I put us on the path. They don't. We need to course correct right now. And this is what we're going to do. I, I, I own it. I'm going to buy it. None of you did anything wrong. So it's all great. This is what, what we're going to do. That comes with emotional intelligence and really understanding your uh, your role on that team. And then be radically open-minded. <laughs> radically open-minded. You know, if you if I had thought about this 10 or 15 years ago, I wouldn't, I would have thought I was. But it, it just really means being open to, you know, let's say your friend invited you to a book club and you're like, I'm into book clubs. I really don't want to go there. You know what? Go there because you don't know you're being you're being invited and you don't know who you're going to meet and you don't know what you're going to learn. So just sit there, be open-minded. You may not take anything away from it, but it was it was a learning lesson. It was something that, you know, hey, that was interesting. I may not want to do it again, but I'm glad I went. Be radically open-minded to ideas, to to opportunities, to doing things that, you know, don't put you in your comfort zone. That really helps you with growth. Oh, really, really great advice. Thank you so much for that. And uh, Wise wants to thank you, Zandra, for your time and incredible insight. I'm sure your comments today will provide invaluable education, insight, and inspiration to our Wise listeners. As was discussed, investing in angel or venture capital is risky and illiquid. Holding periods can be seven to 10 years or more with no guarantee that you'll get your money back. Use only discretionary monies for investing, but with great risk can come the potential for great rewards. Make sure to rely on professional groups for education and vetting and avoid sites such as crowdfunding unless you're willing to do a lot of homework. In closing, please check out the WISE website at wiseinvestors.org where you'll find additional podcasts and resources. If you're not a WISE member yet, please sign up to hear about all of our events. The price is right. It's free. Until next time.